from Deloitte Legal Germany and I'm Michael Fisher and this is the Deloitte Legal podcast with the summer special 2022. Alex, uh, we have an appointment to talk in today's episode a little bit about where things stand with the company's supply chains in their Sino-German businesses. Before we get started, I'm not sure if our audience will remember us, therefore I suggest we briefly introduce ourselves. Thank you, Michael, for this nice introduction. Yes, I'm a Deloitte legal partner and my work areas are M&A and corporate. And of course, I have a special focus on Chinese-German corporate M&A, as well as the legal aspects of business with Korea, as I have spent the last 15 years in Shanghai and working out of Shanghai, counseling those clients with those issues. So, Alex, well, in light of this long time you spent uh, in China, especially in Shanghai, and as I know, in the meantime, you split your time between Frankfurt and Shanghai. I know you were directly affected by the recent lockdowns in China and lockdowns, well, against China's drastic zero COVID strategy literally mean the shutdown of this giant economic hub of Shanghai, for example. Tell us, how was that? Uh, did life really come to a standstill? Does what has happened explain the supply chain issues that we currently face? It was really, Michael, a kind of an experience. And it actually did not last only two months and a half. It was actually around about three months. When I left Shanghai on March 23rd, actually the close down of entire Shanghai or the lockdown of Shanghai had already happened at the beginning of March where several compounds in Kuxi as in Hudong were sealed and you could actually not any longer leave the compound and you were actually called every day for corona testing and in case you tested positive you would have been dragged to one of those centers or former exhibition halls which they converted them in COVID-19 hospitals. This was the personal experience. The commercial experience was even more difficult since you could not leave uh, any longer your own compound, you could not leave any longer Shanghai. Factories which were still operating in Shanghai needed special approvals and of course the entire employees as well as the management had to stay in the company. It was a kind of closed factory scene which means you had to stay in the company, you could not leave, but you could continue with the production. And what you have also witnessed in the news, the logistics were, had a really severe impact for these lockdowns. For instance, 35% of the shipments out of China to the US have been delayed, or the same percentage might also apply to ships to Europe, as you have all witnessed uh, in the news during the last two months, when they have shown satellite pictures of the Shanghai Harbor, where all these container and gas carrier vessels queued up. Yeah, really interesting and uh, wow, very tough, of course. Um, well, and yes, happy to briefly introduce myself for those who do not remember me. I am a Deloitte legal partner too, also active within the corporate M&A area and uh, doing both transactions and rendering recurrent legal advice to our clients. I'm located in Munich and as you know and our audience know or may remember for quite some time already, I have been heading up our China desk on the German side, well, so to speak, 
with you on the other side of the table and being my counterpart for China. Alex, for quite some time, everybody thought that once the lockdown in China has been lifted, the supply problems would have been solved. In the meantime, actually, one must acknowledge that the problems run much deeper. So what's your perception? Thank you, Michael. But this is really a complex question. As I have witnessed the entire COVID-19 situation in China from the beginning, and we're always hopeful each year that it will be resolved within a couple of months. Last time when I was thinking like this was when I received my COVID-19 vaccination shots. It was has happened early 2021. And everybody in the Shanghai community or everybody in, in China was thinking, this is now the solution and international free traveling will be allowed again. But we have seen that this is not the case, that COVID in control of any movements of people in China. So that actually you are still being um, like kept in China for now three years and you have to take really very difficult hurdles in order to leave China or to come back to China. Yeah, and I think it has turned out in the meantime, well, that the Chinese background is uh, one aspect only, but the crisis uh, is quite more complex with many, many single aspects. Well, we have the big picture in the meantime, the global economic aspects, and the state in which the global economy finds itself after decades of globalization, the big picture of political developments, meaning before all, most recently, I would say the war in Ukraine, and for quite some time already, the lingering tensions between the US and, and China. But last not least, also the changes, I think, in China's strategy and positioning uh, itself. But I think we should stop here with this general view. And what are the main legal issues in connection with the supply chain topic uh, from your perspective? From a legal perspective, these days, at least two big topics keep us very busy. The first one is related to the legal remedies the parties to supply contracts they have or what claims do I have towards the supplier who does not deliver at all or only with delays. How can a supplier defend himself? Just to name here a few keywords. The topic is really about contract-specific risk allocation. Who has assumed the consequences? And yes, liability in case contract performance is frustrated. Absent specific contract clauses, what are the general statutory rules with the initial question, which national law applies, force majeure issues are the issues in question. Michael, those cases really keep us busy at the moment in relation to the Sino-European or the Sino-US relationships. I see. Those aspects really keep us busy in a way we would think. My perception is that Though many, many legal questions are raised, companies currently seem to shy back a little from using, well, the legal weapons, so to speak. Is this something you can confirm? What, what is your view on this? I totally agree with you, Michael. The COVID situation all of a sudden happened. And despite all the problems and issues, quite often the interest in long-standing relationships as we both witness on a daily basis. Prevail and contract parties are willing to withstand many troubles together in order to overcome those hard times. Maybe in the aftermath 
we will see more legal disputes arising out of those contractual issues during the COVID-19 situation. It could be really become a long-term topic, I guess. So if we turn to the other topic, which really affects, from a legal perspective, the supply chain topics as well, and it is a quite legal-specific one, it is the regulation which German companies face concerning their suppliers. Just to briefly recap the background, last year the German regulator passed an act in English, it, it would read, Act on Corporate Due Diligence Obligations in Supply Chains, briefly ACDOS. And this act will come into force on January 1st uh, next year. The objective of this act is to avoid violations of human rights in supply chains. And first, only German companies with more than 3,000 employees will be concerned. But from uh, January 1st, 2024, the threshold will be lowered to 1,000 employees. The Act uh, speaks of potential violations of human rights. The Act prohibits, for example, the manufacturing of goods using quicksilver, the production and use of certain chemicals, and the irresponsible treatment and import and export of waste. To fulfill their obligations under the Act, companies must set up efficient risk management. Then they are further obliged to a principal declaration as to the topic, and they have to take precautionary measures. Then complaint procedures need to be established, and documentation and reporting duties add to the other obligations. Offenses against the Act can be fined, and fines can amount up to 2% of annual revenues in case of companies with average annual revenue of more than 400 million. And under certain circumstances, companies can be excluded from public tendering. For us here, the question is, what does the act mean for companies who are active in China? What about, for example, discrimination at the place of work? Is it still a topic? In China, also equality of men and women before the law, as an example, has been established in China a long time ago. So, uh, Alec, what's your view, your perspective? Good question, Michael. Let me start with some general remarks. First question, which we always actually ask ourselves as lawyers, as to whether this law is applicable to foreign invested companies in China. So. From that perspective, I have to say that Chinese companies may be affected by this act on corporate due diligence obligations in supply chains, even in different forms. And maybe we have the following scenarios here. First one is German branches of Chinese companies in Germany. German branches of Chinese companies with more than 3,000 or more than 1,000 as of January 1st. 2024 employees in Germany will be directly affected. Since most large Chinese companies in Germany are operated by their German subsidiaries rather than branches, we expect that the scenario would hardly apply to Chinese companies. It could also apply to German subsidiaries of a Chinese company in Germany, as most Chinese companies currently have no more than 1,000 employees working in China or sent abroad by their German subsidiaries. We do not expect this scenario to have a significant impact on Chinese companies. 
It is more important to note as to whether the Chinese parent company is a supplier of the German subsidiary. The subsidiary or branch of a German company established in China will be subject to this law. We expect that this will apply to many large German companies in China. Factors to be considered in determining the decisive impact include the economic, the human, the organizational, and legal relations between the German company on the one side and its Chinese subsidiaries on the other side. Last but not least, it could also apply to Chinese companies as suppliers to German companies in China. According to this act, German companies with a certain market share are responsible for the actions of third parties, for instance, their suppliers. So great insights, actually great insights. As a summary, from my point of view, all these Chinese aspects in the future, but I don't know whether it's the, the more decisive factor or whether the Chinese aspects will prevail, but we will have a, a combination of all these issues. And what's sure for me is that the supply chain, also with regard to Sino-German business, will undergo heavy changes, even though we will see a short-term or medium-term improvement and a certain degree of recovery and back to normal. So what, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And from my end, and as we have already witnessed through our presentation today, this act is applicable not only to German companies, also to Chinese companies in Germany or um, German companies in China. So on both ends, management should actually take the corresponding measures in order to comply with this act, especially in Sino-German or Sino-European or Sino-US businesses in order not to become subject to any kind of administrative fines, etc. for the future. So with these remarks, I, I'm, I'm very sorry that uh, we are at the end already, but uh, I think we have to say goodbye to our audience. And well, as always, we are happy to take questions, not uh, here in the, the podcast, but we are available. And I think we, we close this uh, podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.